Well, folks, this is Lisa Anderson, and welcome to this week's episode of The Boundless Show. Always great to have you. A little preview of what's coming up later on for our inbox. We have a listener who strongly supports what the Bible says about marriage and sexuality, but is concerned that with today's movies and entertainment content, there's a lot of pro-LGBT content, and it's just becoming unavoidable. So his question is, well, what do we do? Like, there are lots of other things that maybe are problematic, and we watch those. So our friend Adam Holtz, who uh, is from Plugged In, is going to weigh in on that. And then for our culture, Josh Burnett and Pete Hardesty are the authors of a series called Adulting 101. And one of the books, we're going to talk about some of the themes from it this week, uh, specifically how to take good care of yourself as a young adult mentally and beyond. So, well, here we are for our roundtable. And uh, actually, this will be a good opportunity for us to talk about you know, something that will dovetail really across the segments here for this show, because we're going to talk about the value of being able to pause in life. And of course, in a culture where most of us are running ragged, and especially I feel like young adults between like burnout and FOMO and just kind of feeling like you have to get ahead and stuff. This is especially problematic. And so we're going to delve into it today. And we have got Katie, Chris, and John here. Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. (laughs) And I'm also going to say, not to brag, because I already had to admit that they weren't homemade, but we have cookies here (laughs) to celebrate John Pearden's birthday. Thank you, Lisa. Happy birthday, John. Appreciate it. Okay, so let's talk about this concept of really needing to pause in seasons of busyness, which I say seasons almost jokingly because we're always all busy, it seems. So (laughs) um, let's talk about, let's talk first of all, like, how does this resonate with you? Are you a person who finds it hard to take a break and stop the hamster wheel? Or are you pretty good at this? Do you think your personality plays into it? Or do you think you've just found some structures for making this happen? How does this play out for you? As an introvert, I must say that taking time to pause is a necessity. (laughs) It really is sometimes. I need moments where honestly, I can just kind of stop and process life. Mm -hmm. And there are some times where I will just block out an evening to maybe spend time with God or just not have any social events going on. So I definitely see that I'm pretty good at it, but some weeks are better than others. Because if I have a lot scheduled for one week, it's a little tough for me to take time to pause. But I'm uh, rather adamant that this needs to be a regular part of my life. That's good. Yeah. I really like that hamster wheel analogy that you made (laughs) because I can't tell you how many times I feel like the faster I run, the harder it is to stop, (laughs) that the momentum will carry you. But I definitely find it hard most of the time. But um, like John, I'm an introvert myself. And finding those times where you can really pull back and and center yourself is so crucial to not get into like a manic state. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. On the other end of the spectrum, (laughs) I'm an extrovert. Mm -hmm. I love having a busy schedule. I Mm -hmm. love being able to spend time with people on a regular basis. So I've had to learn over the years, especially through college and now into adulthood, like post-college, I feel like I've really had to be 
intentional Mm -hmm. about setting aside time to pause because Mm -hmm. I'm really bad at it. I'm Mm -hmm. like a yes person. If you're (laughs) like, hey, we're going to go do this on this week. And I'm like, yes. Oh, we're going to go do this after. Yes. And I just keep going and keep going and keep mm-hmm. going. So yeah, it's hard for me to take a, take a minute to pause sometimes. It's interesting. Cause I feel like I've gotten better at this, like in recent years, but I was just on vacation and I'm going to air quote that um, <laughs> because I happened to go with my roommate out to San Diego where we stayed with her aunt and uncle who um, just ran us ragged. And I'm going to say this because they are most likely not going to listen to this episode. (laughs) But I don't understand, like, okay, I'm an extrovert, but I'm pretty borderline. My roommate's an introvert. Mm -hmm. She came home basically sick (laughs) from not having sleep (laughs) because every night they're just like, let's do this, let's do this. And we're like, how do you have all the energy for this? And it was just like, you know, in addition to activities, it was chatting and it was all awesome. Um, they're just the best. Um, but it's just so funny how you like look at other people and you're like, how do you do that? So mm-hmm. to that point, and kind of what you were saying, Katie, do you feel like things or situations or opportunities are put on you? Or do you feel you create kind of the, the scurry and the hurry around yourself? Mm, I think it's both for me. Okay. I think I am someone who if I have free time I'm going to waste it Mm -hmm. so I try to build (laughs) yeah thank you for that admission yeah it's something that I really had to learn and I um so I intentionally have like make a busy schedule so that I don't waste time um so I can feel more purpose Mm -hmm. but in that there's finding that balance of like okay you need to take time to pause and reflect you need to spend time with God you need to do xyz you need to be able to function as a human you can't just be out doing stuff all the time yeah Mm -hmm. um so I think it's both for sure Mm -hmm. for me um so it's just there are some times where I need to learn to say no for sure okay and man I'm exactly the same. Like if, <laughs> if I have an entire day that I can do nothing, I will do nothing. So I definitely purposely fill it as much as I can. But <laughs> even with that intentionality of keeping and building a busy schedule, like I'm usually gone for like 12 hours a, a day mm-hmm. right now, but being able to stop in that makes me appreciate it a lot more mm-hmm. to where it's having that alone time. Uh, to stop. It's kind of like the dessert mm-hmm. at the end of the day that mm-hmm. like you shouldn't have it all the time, but it's sweeter when you get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Outside of my normal routine, I'm usually getting asked to be a part of stuff from friends. Mm-hmm. And so it's definitely both for me as yeah. well. I'm typically not the one initiating friends events, but um, I've been very blessed in that I have a lot of friends who will invite me to things And sometimes I have to say no, but a lot of the times I almost feel an obligation to say yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely both and for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's easy for me to say yes to too many things. And so I would love to blame other people and say that these are things put on me, but then I'm the one that's agreeing to them and or initiating them. So I think that can be part of the problem. But Mm. well, let's talk a little bit about what, you know, because we're talking about this pause. What does a pause look like for you? First of all, what 
kind of time frame do you need? Can you pause for five minutes or do you need like an hour or, you know, some people are like all or nothing. It's like my friend who says, I keep trying to clean my house, but until I have an entire day, I just can't do it. And I'm like, girl, you can do something in five minutes. Okay. So get on it, you know, and whatever. But it, it is hard sometimes to be able to slow down enough if we only have small chunks of time. But what does that look like for you in ideal or maybe some different versions of a pause for you? Minimum 30 minutes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> a lot Laying of times, <laughs> yes. Minimum 30 minutes because a lot of the time I'm thinking so deeply about so many different things. Sometimes I just need a few minutes to be able to pause and pause my brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> if I can just say it that way, pause and pause my brain. Yeah. And it takes a few minutes for me sometimes. So a good hour mm-hmm. is good for me okay. to be able to say, I'm going to set this time to either just tune out the world, not look at my phone for a while, and just sit in silence and pray, or to use that time to do my quiet time. Mm-hmm. Both of those can be really good pause options for me. Okay, good. Yeah, for me, um, I would probably, it's gotten shorter. The mm-hmm. more that I've been intentional about it, the shorter the amount of time that I need mm-hmm. is to get into that zone, so to speak, of um, focus. Because uh, before, man, it used to take me a day. Like I, I would, I would have to watch a whole bunch of sermons, get myself into the right mindset, watch, or sorry, listen to some worship music. Mm. But, um, yeah, just recently, like I'll, I just take that time in my car, uh, mm-hmm. when I get places and it's just, it has become substantially easier and it's less of me processing stuff and more of God revealing mm-hmm. things to me just for being obedient to take that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it depends for me. I know in college I had to take time, like I had to take a full 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Like I had to force Mm -hmm. myself to do that Mm -hmm. just because of the craziness, the schedules, the staying up late. Now that I have a more set schedule, um, now that I have an eight to five job, Mm -hmm. it's, I can take shorter breaks. So now it's like I can take 10 minutes, five Mm -hmm. minutes and be fine. Like Mm -hmm. once a day, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there are some days where I just go, 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 go for weeks on end. And then I have to take a full day. Um, I just do that to myself as an extrovert. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just a problem that I'm working on. But usually I only have to take 10, 15 minutes and I'm I'm good. And that's That's refreshing. Yeah, that's good. It's interesting because I was trying to, you know, before uh, coming down here, I was trying to think of like, what are things that I would recommend to folks for taking a pause? And it came to mind, I was in a meeting with one of our executives here at Focus on the Family, and he talked about after a busy day at work, he'll go as he drives home, he'll stop somewhere on his Mm -hmm. street and just Mm -hmm. take like five to 10 minutes to kind of let go of everything at work, Mm -hmm. just pray, refocus his mind to go and like be present with his family instead of trying to like bleed into that area or let the two meet too much. And I thought that was really good. And it got me to thinking like, yeah, how do I use my commute, which is actually pretty substantial. It's usually about (laughs) 25 minutes. So, and, and one thing that came to mind is I should try like not, I mean, how many of us here, maybe it's just me, get in your car and you're either calling someone or you're going to hit someone with a voice text because if you voice text it, okay, not while you're driving people, (laughs) but you know, before you start driving, then maybe by the time you get to your place, they will have responded. And I think it's so efficient and I'm trying to multitask, but it's just like a big frazzle fest. I mean, I'm just like trying to do all these things like and maximize my time. And I'm like, (laughs) I wonder what it would look like to use a commute just as a pause when I can. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What are some other ideas that y'all would have for me? 
making that happen. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because that's what I do. Okay. Is I will usually on the way to and from work, which is about 10, 15 minutes, depending on traffic, mm-hmm. I'll use one of them as like my prayer time, usually in the morning mm-hmm. to get my head in the right place because I'm not a morning person. <laughs> so I have to take the time to be like, Lord, help me today. Yeah. Help me have the right attitude. Help me to glorify you. And then on the way home, I'll usually listen to worship music or something that will be uplifting yeah. to me because I'm tired at the end of the day. Yeah. So it's it's really nice to have that reset yeah. that's away from you know my personal quiet time. That's kind of what I do. That's what my dad did um, mm-hmm. growing up. It's mm-hmm. like he would use his commute to pray. Yeah, And so that's what I started doing. That's nice. a great way to do that. Yeah, I think that being intentional about transitions kind of like you were illustrating is so important that getting your mindset in the right place for the place that you're going to be is really important but even being getting past the area of like okay i have to do this this and this 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 and this but kind of like katie was saying that you need to pray like god give me the right attitude for this next thing that i'm going to do um i'm the opposite where a lot of the time i'm preparing myself to get to that place by listening to worship music there just to kind of set the tone but then i I'm horrendously early everywhere I go. Oh, that's great. <laughs> um, I don't know if horrendous is the right word. <laughs> yeah, that's actually That's an asset. It's a good trait. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, but ultimately, I take that time when I get there so that I can fully focus. That's just what I need to do personally. My thoughts are all over the place when I'm driving, but when I, when I get there, I'm able to focus. Mm-hmm. And I love that time, and I make sure I protect it. Okay, that's good. But you don't have like, you're not sitting there and then people are rapping on your window like, hey, how come you haven't gone in yet? What are you doing, Chris? It's happened. Okay. (laughs) And then you're like, "Um, I'm using my paws. Okay. Like, (laughs) I used to, um, I was the general manager of a Chick-fil-A out in California and they knew me for just sitting in my car on my brakes every single time. They're like, how come you're not in here with us? I'm like, I need my quiet time, man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, it. 100% it would happen. (laughs) Reading the Bible has been revolutionary for me Mm -hmm. in that regard, just taking time to pause and really clear my mind out. Right now I'm doing a read through the Bible in a year program, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that really just tells me, hey, here's what you're going to read on this day. So I already know going into the day what I'm going to read. And um, everybody has to, as you like to say, Lisa, find that method for spending time with God that works for them. Mm -hmm. And that was something that when I was early in my walk with God, that I was very blessed to have friends who pushed me to get into that habit. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. one method that I've adopted in more recent years is taking notes Mm -hmm. when I read the Bible. And honestly, just having that time with God where I can tune out the world and spend time in his word Mm -hmm. has helped me immensely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. So what would you guys say? I mean, obviously, there. in order to have any kind of pause, whether, you know, it's Chris sitting in his car or whether it's John with 30 minutes or whatever, um, what, you know, you have to be willing to say no to some things. Yeah. Are there things in your life that you've actually had to cut out in order to have a little more margin in your life, either one-off things where you remember this is just something I had to say no to, or it's just stuff that regularly like in your routine you've just been like nope this is gonna have to go if I'm gonna have some sanity in my life usually um it's one-offs for me Mm -hmm. where I have to evaluate myself and be like okay how many things do you need to get done in your day Mm -hmm. have you had time with God Mm -hmm. and um 
it takes me it, I so badly want to say yes to everyone like I said yeah. I'm a yes person like that's just what I want to do I'm a people pleaser yeah um and so sometimes I feel really bad saying no but mm-hmm. it's it's what I have to do to yeah. be able to maintain my relationship with Christ but then also to keep my sanity yeah <laughs> it's twofold uh it's twofold and it's interesting because I think a lot of people think that when they're letting something go they think that Everything that they have to say no to are bad things, Mm -hmm. but it's often the good things you have to say no to that are ultimately going to give you the space you need. It won't always. You're going to have a choice between two very good things, and Mm -hmm. you're going to have to choose one good thing over another good thing, and that's helpful to remember. Yeah. I remember in my junior year of college, I had a friend who really challenged me and a bunch of guys that I was close with. And he said, um, I'd like for you guys for a week or so to just fast from something that's distracting you right now. Mm. And for me, that was social media. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, yeah. I still struggle with sometimes getting into the vortex of it. You mentioned yeah. yesterday was Same. my birthday. Yep. <laughs> you mentioned uh, yesterday was my birthday. I'll admit I checked my social media a lot when I got home yesterday mm-hmm. evening, mm-hmm. just checking to see who do I need to respond to yeah. and yeah. things like that. But I remember in that challenge that he gave us, I was shocked by how much my schedule cleared up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all of a sudden I realized, wow, I have a lot more time on my hands than I actually thought I did mm-hmm. simply because I was willing to just put my phone down for use air quotes a few minutes, yeah. which actually mm-hmm. turned into a few hours. Yeah. <laughs> so that is one area I'm still kind of wrestling with it, but I think learning to be more disciplined and say no helps so much to just have those moments when I can pause and spend time with God. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. For me, it's usually bigger commitments. Mm -hmm. I, I'm in a season of growth right now where I've been trying to take a lot of things on my, or just being intentional about what is on my plate. Intentional is my word of the day, guys. Sorry. (laughs) Um, I wouldn't go as far as saying people pleasing, but just really trying to see what God has for me and stuff. And, Mm -hmm. That is the biggest area that I'm up against right now because I am my time outside of focus. I'm having to figure out what I'm going to do because my entire day is full at mm-hmm. this point, and it has been very difficult and very, very much a area of prayer mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that I've had to have Jesus lead me in. Because, and I, I almost think that's more difficult. I'm not trying to put anything down, but just like it's it's so difficult to try and decide between like serving and volunteering Mm -hmm. or like pursuing dreams in certain areas. And it's, it's been difficult, but at the same time, ultimately, if you aren't connecting with Jesus, like why are you doing it? (laughs) So, so true. Yeah. I think for me, I, one of the things that I've done, which seems like, you know, it was almost like reluctant to do it because it seems so grandma ish in a way, but (laughs) I've had to get to the point where if I don't have at least one consistent night at, home a week, you know, I, I just realized that I kind of start spiraling. So honestly, like it would probably be at least two, but it's very easy to, you know, commit or feel like, oh, well, I don't want to miss this or feel like, well, they asked me at church to do this. And then all of a sudden it's just, 
you know, to Chris's point, and this is kind of all of us here, when you, you know, work a full-time job and you're doing that mm-hmm. and you're spinning a bunch of plates and then you've made other commitments. Yeah. <laughs> and then I have on my goals list, like read X number of books. Yeah. When am I going to be reading these books if I'm out every night of the week? You yeah, know? So, exactly. Or how is John going to hike a 14er if he doesn't have the time set aside on the weekend <laughs> to do it? So it is kind of like a math problem, you guys. you got to really make is. the time mm-hmm. for it. That does make sense. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, uh, it is hard when we say, I just can't stop being busy. You know, how do I stop being busy? And it really does come down to priorities and Mm -hmm. making it happen and being willing to even take that moment, you know, of just quiet prayer or Mm -hmm. just deep breathing and just kind of um, I know uh, John had even suggested um, earlier when we were talking about this show, like just thinking of things you're grateful for and yeah. what does it yeah. look like and mm-hmm. areas of growth where you've seen growth in yourself and others is a great thing to do as well. And then sometimes we can go after the bigger rocks too. So, well, you guys, thank you so much. I appreciate yeah. you weighing thanks in for on this. Me. Thanks, Absolutely. Lisa. Yeah, thanks. I've walked among the shadows, you wipe my tears away. I've felt the pain of heartbreak And I've seen the brighter days And I break rest to heaven From my lowest place And I have held the blessings God, you give and take away No matter what, I have your grace is enough No matter where I am, I'm standing in your love On the mountains, I will Well, folks, we're here for this week's culture segment. We are talking to two guys who, in addition to their normal lives, um, have written a book series titled Adulting 101 and uh, really covering, I mean, this is no, you know, if you're a listener to The Boundless Show, this is not going to be foreign information. The fact that, hey, you actually have to put some... uh, effort and lean into the adulting process because otherwise, you know, it might just hit you like the flu. So uh, better to really go after it and figure out how can I best grow? How can I best mature in so many different seasons? And today we're going to talk specifically about kind of that inside growth. Uh, So mental health, uh, plus going after uh, great goals, learning how to take care of yourself, uh, how to develop emotional and even cultural intelligence. So I want to welcome, uh, I have both Josh Burnett and Pete Hardesty here. They're the co-authors of the book. Josh is an author, a speaker. He also um, manages out there in Virginia, a Chick-fil-A and has over a hundred employees. And so certainly he has to know how to deal with people. And Pete is with Young Life, uh, working with college students uh, through Young Life. And uh, both guys are married and have families. And uh, so, guys, welcome to The Boundless Show. 
Hi, Lisa. Thanks so much for having us. Pleasure to be here. Awesome. Okay, well, let's start out with uh, this. I, you know, obviously, to write a book like this and to address this kind of a topic, you're passionate about working with young adults. And hey, that's everyone listening. So, um, what are you? What would you say are some of the common struggles that you're hearing from young adults as they try to launch into adulthood? What are some of the frustrations? Lisa, there there are a lot of frustrations. <laughs> I think uh, in trying to figure out life after uh, after you graduate college or, or high school, whenever you enter into the real world, so much stuff shifts and moves and shakes. And going around living probably you know with thousands of people your same age and stage in a half square mile to all of a sudden you might be in a cubicle in a new city. And so I think some of the frustrations and challenges are not knowing what to do. And also feeling like not having a grasp on your life, the financial side of life, the relational side of life. And then this second book that we wrote really talks about the inner life and not really even knowing yourself. I think that's a big thing for these 21, 23, 25-year-olds is trying to figure out who they are. Mm -hmm. And when you don't know who you are, it's really tough to go into the world and to start this new uh, life stage. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what, okay, let's talk a little bit about the whole concept of self-awareness, because I think that is something that, you know, we're told we need, but no one is really trained. I mean, I certainly, my parents didn't say, well, let's talk about how to have healthy interactions with people and how to understand appropriateness in social situations. Um, I wish there were a class for it. And I know you even tell the story in the book of your friend Goody, Pete, who uh, apparently loved to dance and and kind of got a little bit of a wake-up call in that. But what would you say, you know, ideas for how we can improve self-awareness? What are a few that we could go after? Lisa, this is such a good uh, good topic. I think it's maybe the most important skill a 20-something can develop because it affects every other part of your life. Uh, there was this really incredible study that said uh, 95% of people believe they're self-aware but the actual number is only 12 to 15%. Hmm. Yeah. So this, this researcher, she said, that means on a good day, about 80% of people are lying to themselves about themselves. Right. <laughs> so uh, the, the ways we can build it are not anything, I don't think, groundbreaking, but there are some things. We talk about reflection and actually beginning to journal. Josh has this great uh, part in the book about developing your kind of inner circle almost like a personal board of directors, Mm -hmm. uh, to evaluate your blind spots, to know how do people experience you, because there's probably something that almost everybody could tell you about yourself that you don't know, but everybody else does know. Uh, And then I think the other two signs are to think, okay, one of them is, here we go again. If you're ever saying that, it might be something to look a little closer or disproportionate reactions. You know, somebody cuts in front of me in the line at Chick-fil-A and I start to get really angry. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't. So what is going on there? What's something a little deeper that maybe there's a blind spot in, in kind of building self-awareness mm-hmm. how to figure out who we are? Yeah. 
Well, I know you also um, talk a lot, you know, Pete, in in the book about uh, really the value of developing good listening skills in the in that sense as well, and really focusing on what a person is saying, which is so hard. You know, we we hear the term active listening a lot, and what that looks like, and really we think we're active listeners, kind of like what you were saying about we think we're self aware, um, but really often we're thinking about well, what's the next thing I can say? Is there a way to practice that, like to to consciously think of how to be a better listener? Yes, there definitely is. I, I think a lot of times what, what you can hear people parroting back is you know, sometimes the exact verbatim phrase. That's usually not the best way for active listening. A really good thing to do is to try to paraphrase, put it in your own words, and, and the phrase, so what I'm hearing you say is, and if you do that a lot, you start to actually need to listen to somebody and not worry about what you're going to say next. Mm-hmm. I think, too, to become another skill that 20-somethings can develop is the skill of asking questions. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just drove away from time with my godson, who's a senior in high school, and for the last hour, I, I literally just asked him questions. And I'm not that good a question asker, but just to hear, I don't get to spend a lot of time with him. He's, you know, he lives a couple hours away from me, but to ask him about questions that aren't one-word answers, I think that that will be huge in family, in work, to become active listeners. Yeah. Well, Pete, one more question for you, and then I want to uh, turn it over to Josh to talk to us a little bit more about EQ and how that kind of fills in uh, the whole idea of self-awareness and, and other skills. But you actually had a mentor named Chuck who really gave you a cool challenge that I actually highlighted when I read it. Um, it was that whole idea of entering a room and being that person who's others focused. And really, again, you know, when we talk about EQ, we're talking about emotional quotient. Give us the story of what Chuck taught you and how that was a game changer for you. Uh, Chuck, his, his name is Chuck Reinhold. He, he went to uh, Pitt. He was a running back for University of Pittsburgh. And then he was a missionary to Ethiopia for a while. And Chuck was one of the most humble, others-centered person I've ever known. But his big thing was, there were three things he kind of lived by. One, are you a there you are or a here am I person? So every time he walked into a room, he would, and it's something you need to train yourself to do because it's, we're, we're naturally here I am people, or maybe it's just me. <laughs> I'm a naturally, hey, here I am, I'm in this room, I want to tell you about me and how great I am, instead of a there you are type of person. He also would walk into a room, and if anyone, if he ever had anything against anyone, he would just forgive them. He would say, to, not out loud, but I forgive you. If there was ever any odd interaction with him, and then he would say, the most important thing in your life, of course, is your, your own relationship with Jesus, because everything else flows from that. And so he would say, you win yourself to the Lord daily, you, you, you focus on that, and then that's the top button of your shirt. And everything else kind of falls in place after that. But it's that walking into a room and th- saying, "There you are, there you are," or uh, "Here I am." Mm-hmm. And I, he tells he he tells a story about a dinner he was with he was at with uh, with someone that we would all know. I'm not going to mention who, but a, a famous person. And at the end of the dinner, he said that person was the most brilliant person I've ever been with. A week later, he was at a dinner with another person sitting at a table with somebody we've all heard of, a famous person. And at the end of the dinner, he said, you know what? At the end of that dinner, I thought I was the most brilliant person in the world. Hmm. And he said that that person the week later 
was so focused on me, even though that person is nationally renowned, internationally renowned, they were asking me questions and focused on me that I thought I was the best person in the world. And I, you know, felt great about myself, wanted to open up, share more. And so I always try to think about that. How can we be other-centered? And for 20-somethings, that'll help you in, again, all aspects and all arenas of life. Yeah, so helpful. It always reminds me of what people used to say about the you know great leadership expert, John Maxwell. They always said anytime you were around him, you were the center of his attention and he asked great questions mm-hmm. and it just made people want to be around him. And so it's kind of counterintuitive. We think we have to shine a spotlight on ourselves, but by building others up and encouraging others and showcasing others, we attract people. And that's such a great principle to, uh, to remember. Well, thanks so much for sharing those insights. All right. Well, Josh, I mentioned that I wanted to delve into this concept of EQ a little bit, and this has got to be something that you have practice in because I mentioned as I was introducing you that you own, operate, manage a a busy Chick-fil-A with over a hundred employees. And this is a business that is like grounded in customer service and seeing and serving other people. What would you say? I mean, is there is there a, a specific skill or something that you have to ensure that everyone in your sphere has or is working on in order to make this work? I think it all comes down to their chemistry with one another and then the guests as well. Mm-hmm. And so the core of both of these books, uh, really, Pete and I took a step back and said, hey, what are the people that we are working with and experiencing life with uh, doing well in and struggling with? In? And that was really kind of the origin story of how these came about. So as we think through emotional intelligence, it's, it's just building on these ideas of knowing yourself through self-awareness. It's leading yourself. And then you get to this point where you can know others, and that's kind of where the EQ or the emotional intelligence idea comes about. But we really try to start, especially with my team, we start with like, hey, let's figure out who you are first because it doesn't really matter too much if you know other people if you don't know how you respond to things in the first place. So we integrate this content and other content into our leadership journey at the restaurant because it's it's so vital. I, I would say the, the lion's share of the issues that come up are interpersonal skills. Mm-hmm. That's, that's going to be what crops to the top. And, and if people can solve for that early on, we will have a great, great team in restaurants. Yeah, so true. And it it really is. I mean, it's so, you know, a lot of times we think of EQ and again, um, emotional uh, quotient and an emotional intelligence is really, you know, perceiving your own and others emotions. And the guys talk about that in the book and, and really what signals those emotions send about your relationships and how to work, whether it's a a relationship or a conversation or a situation with keeping that in mind. Um, Now, it it would be great, you know, if we all had high EQ and if we were all relatively healthy people. But one thing I want you to address, Josh, is um, in keeping up with inner health, the concept of depression in today's culture, which among young adults is huge. Depression, anxiety, 
um, really a lot of a lot of struggles that have come to the surface and now post COVID uh, have even manifest in in different ways. Um, you uh, share in the book, Josh, a, a story about a friend named Jaden, who really seemed to have it all together on the outside, um, but internally mm-hmm. was struggling and didn't have anyone to talk to. Can you kind of talk us through what it meant for him to really need to turn a corner and find ways and tools in which to do that. Sure. And I would say that I am experiencing these conversations more today than I ever have in the course of my tenure in leading people. And I think that the pandemic certainly has played into that. But I think that just the general awareness around mental health is so vital that Pete and I really wanted to place an emphasis around mental health for this book. And so that's why we dedicate half the book to talking through things such as anxiety and depression and loneliness. But specifically for this particular person, it was really, you never know what somebody's going through. And we talk about that a lot at Chick-fil-A. We talk a lot about how every person has a story and you don't know what's going on inside of them. And so coming alongside of them and caring for them, regardless of what it seems like they have going on on the outside, is so vital. And you never know when somebody's going to turn and confide in you, hey, I have something else going on, and then being able to handle that. So I think that's one of the best resources that we have in this book is saying, like, hey, how do you help someone in need? And so sometimes that might be yourself, and sometimes it's a loved one, but even providing understanding and context to, okay, so what's next? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and I think it's, you know, it's it's interesting because you kind of turn a corner in the book as you're talking about this to say, okay, really, where are we going for our peace? And what does it mean to find real peace? And you actually walk through, um, you know, author Henry Nouwen is known for saying there are five false sources of identity that really stem from five lies that we believe about ourselves. And they are, you know, I am what I have. I am what I do. Mm-hmm. I am what others say or think about me. I'm nothing more than my worst moment, or I'm nothing less than my best moment. And you guys kind of walk through those. Um, And so that whole idea of our identity in Christ is something that everyone like feels like they resonate with. Like, absolutely, I want my identity in Christ. But can you give us, talk us through a little bit of like what that means practically when you're just on the job or you are being left out of something that, you know, maybe it was a party that all of a sudden you saw show up on social, you weren't invited. I mean, you could say you have your identity in Christ, but we need to, <laughs> we need to understand what that means. So how can a young adult understand how to apply that on an average day of the week? Sure. So at the end of the day, we are all still human and feel that wide spectrum of emotions from jealousy and anger and hurt and shame and uh, all, all kinds of things that happen. And so we, on a high level, real fast about the book, we write each of the two adulting books in a way that you can hand this book to anybody and it would be applicable. And we wait until the final chapter to really talk through the belief set that Pete and I each have and how that is our cornerstone and so central to what we believe. But we wanted both of these books to be applicable to people regardless of um, faith and background. And so that's why at the very end we talk through, hey, what what does true peace look like? And then for Pete and I, we, we just say, hey, this is who we are foundationally, and that really paints a totally different picture of the lives that we have 
But at the same time, I don't want to tell young adult, like, yes, you will still feel hurt and frustrated. And the world is full of people at school, at work, that you will be frustrated and hurt and saddened by throughout the course of life. But it's okay. It's, it's part of growing up and maturing and learning and being able to say, hey, I'm bigger or stronger than this, and going back to the source that really creates that peace for us. Because if your peace is found in being cared for by others, you're going to always be let down in any sort of relationship that you're in. And so moving beyond those relationships is crucial. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it is so, you know, we've got to take it out of the abstract into the everyday. And like you said, you know, we're all going to be able to think of a time when, you know, on the job, we were passed over for that promotion, or someone flat out lied about us, or somehow we were slighted in something. And again, I think that commonality of this happens to all of us. This isn't like, I'm the only person this has happened to. Um, there's there's helpful uh, ways to think that through, but to, to really get the source of your true identity in a relationship with Christ is so important um, for those of us who claim him um, as Lord. And so... Okay, well, let's, um, as we kind of finish up here, um, go ahead and any other practical ideas you have for that person who is trying to strengthen that inner muscle of whether it, you know, any of the things we talked about, that self-awareness, the emotional uh, intelligence, the EQ there, um, just understanding really the importance of identity. Is there a way, I mean, again, because I think of myself, you know, walking out of this studio, it's like, I'm going to have to remind myself that I tend to immediately think of myself and how I'm perceived by others. How can I turn the tables on this and be more God-focused and more others-focused? For the person who wants to start on that, you know, right right today, Josh, what would be your first uh, tips for getting started? Sure. I think I think the awareness piece is the most crucial mm-hmm. and going, oh, man, maybe something does need to change and then a heart and a willingness to change that. And so out of this entire book, I'd say if you started at the very beginning and began to build out that self-awareness, I think that from there, I think everything else will trickle from being able to lead yourself better and engage with other people better. It all comes back to, do I know who I am and how others perceive me? And so I'd say at its core, engage the people directly around you. Talk to the three, four, five people that are closest and say, hey, what is it like to be across the table from me? Find people a little further in life that you want to be like in different areas and start to pull things from them. But if you, at its core, start with understanding who you are. And I think that we do a good job of giving you some kind of nuts and bolts and good launching strategies and resources in order to do that. Yeah, for sure. Well, folks, um, the strategies that we've been talking about and just some of the principles behind them all come out of Adulting 101. Like I said, this book series that Pete and Josh have done, um, we've talked a little bit out of book two today. And we actually want to make a copy of this book available to you uh, for a gift of any amount to Boundless. So if you go to boundless.org, you can search for 765. That's this week's episode. You'll see the book cover there. Just click 
click on it. Uh, you can give your donation to Boundless for the work that we do throughout the year to bring you interviews, articles, community here at Boundless. And we will send a copy of Josh and Pete's book as our thank you to you. And so get a copy of Adulting 101, uh, this book too, that we have available for you. Well, guys, thank you so much for being part of this conversation, for weighing in and for writing this book, which has so many practical helps for us moving forward. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Lisa, thank you so much for having us. KB, get them. They ain't taking nowhere, singing nowhere in the summer, boy. They ain't want to go there, but oh, well, we don't lose for nothing, boy. If we deceased indeed, we will be again. Angels and demons, neither these heathens can ever get in between. I believe that we will win. No, the end like I cheated. Can't guarantee it, but Jesus can. <laughs> Running on Yonka Boy, this the fast track. On Yonka Boy, this the fast track. Even when they aching on me, homie, I don't get mad. I just keep speaking these glad raps. Yeah. Came, I came, I saw, I saw. Conquer all across the chalk and all to y'all. Break off the wall and just drop them all. Talk and flop, but homie, all were all. All were all. Flawless, flawless, flawless. God of all this. A fall with y'all. This storm is a heart. This all that they fall apart. When God is farthest. Infinity in between. Gotta make it in the dark. Yeah. Undefeated. There's no stopping us. Undefeated, no doubt we're champions. Undefeated, can't hold us down. We're rising up. Infinity and no unstoppable. You already know. Uh, infinity and no unstoppable. You already know. Well, folks, welcome to our inbox. As you know, we always finish out the show with our inbox and we bring an expert in to address one of your questions. And this week is no exception. We have plugged in's Adam Holtz. Hey, Adam. Hey, Lisa. Good to have you. Glad I mean, I, here. we often have you on the Boundless Show talking about dating and all manner of things, young adulthood, but yes. you're also an expert in the entertainment world. And so this question is perfect for you. Um, okay, I'm going to read it. Our listener says, do we really need to avoid watching anything that may promote pro-LGBT content? It seems like we put that sin in a different category than others. For example, action movies have murder, war movies have death and curse words, unmarried couples in movies have sex all the time, and Christians will see those movies. But if same-sex couples are promoted in a movie, many Christians will refuse to watch it. I feel like soon LGBT content will be in everything, so do we really have to avoid it? I think that's a terrific question. That's a question, good question, right? yeah. Because the, at, at its heart, the question is, what sin issues do we choose to avoid and which ones do we say are okay? Yeah. And and by okay, not that the sin is okay, but that I'm okay watching a story that is dealing with that issue. Mm -hmm. And I will say, I'm going to give a little bit of a squishy answer. Mm -hmm. I would say it depends, mm -hmm. right? It depends on what influences you and it depends on whether those are content issues that are ultimately things you don't want to take in. Mm -hmm. um, I will also say it depends on the context of who you're watching with. Hmm. You know, like earlier this year, there was a huge outcry over the movie Lightyear. Hmm. And obviously that's aimed at families and we're talking about singles here. So the context is different. But Disney basically said, 
they put a bunch of stuff in this movie in part because of what was happening in the politics in Florida. Mm. And so I think that Christians are well within their rights to say, I'm not interested in the kind of content that might show up that is intentionally there as a message, Mm -hmm. you know, an activist message. Some people might use the term propaganda. Uh, I think on one hand, uh, we are seeing LGBT representation in almost everything. Mm -hmm. So if that is an issue that you don't want to engage with, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's off the table. Mm -hmm. Um, And on the other hand, I think it's okay to say, yeah, you know, I don't want to deal with a message or an agenda oriented story where this is not just incidental, you know, it's not just a couple in the background holding hands, but it's a core part of what they're trying to communicate. Mm -hmm. So I think all of us, as we make entertainment choices, have to figure out what our convictions are and how something influences us. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think it's fair to say that every time, especially when we go to movies, we're casting a vote of sorts. Mm -hmm. We're saying Hollywood more of this. Mm. And so I think people are within their rights to say, this isn't something I'm interested in seeing in a movie. And I also think that you can choose to navigate it either personally or potentially with your family. If you have children or, or, you know, kids that you're engaged with, um, you can work through that. So there really is a contextual answer there, but I understand why a lot of people are saying, you know what, I'm not going to pay to have a message I don't agree with you know, thrust at me. Yeah. And I like what you said about like intent or agenda, that whole idea of like, it's not just an, a storyline that is, you know, fits into the cultural context of people living on a street. And obviously that's going to be representative of a bunch of different lifestyles or families or whatever. But it, it always seems to me, and I think of that in the context of, especially when shows or movies are very um, disparaging of Christians, for example, to the point where it's like, you guys are dumb, you guys are whatever, because you don't, like that just really bugs me. And that kind of is one of my personal choices. So I I like how you say that, like what, how are you influenced and who are you being influenced by and with? Well, and I think we have to recognize that every piece of entertainment has a worldview, Mm -hmm. whether we realize it or not, whether artistic, you know, creators, whether movie makers or those making TV shows or music recognize it. They're giving us a statement about what they think is right and normal and good and praiseworthy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think we would do well to actively engage with the question of what's the worldview here? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that we can't engage with a story that has a contradictory worldview. But I think that we need to be critically thinking about it as opposed to letting it just sort of passively wash over us. Yeah, good point. Well, folks, that is it for this week's show. We always love it when you write in with your questions, so keep doing it. You can write to us at editor at boundless.org, and we will maybe use your question in a future show. In the meantime, if you go to boundless.org, you can do a search for one of the many questions we've answered in the past on, it seems like, just about every topic. (laughs) So um, poke around there and see what you find, and and certainly let us know, too, um, at our email address, uh, what you like about the show, what you think we could do more of. We're here to hear from you. So I will see you around next week. This is Lisa Anderson for The Boundless Show. The Boundless Show is a production of Boundless.org. Focus on the family. Some say abortion is harmless, even helpful for women. But is that really true? As a Christian, you know it's not. 
Are you ready to share with your friends what the Bible has to say, especially after Roe v. Wade? Nearly five decades of legalized abortion have harmed every aspect of our society, including women. Join us online October 4th at 7 p.m. Eastern as Alexander DeSanctis speaks on how abortion harms our culture and disadvantages women. Register at FocusOnTheFamily.com lighthouse.